Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on PowerElectronicsNews.com and through other as Pencor Media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial, and consumer. Here is your host, Editor-in-Chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEWeb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of Power Up. In this podcast, we will talk about power conversion and its thermal management with Justin Kolb. Justin is the Director of Market Strategy for Power and Industrial Automation within the Adhesive Technology Business Unit at Henkel. He has extensive experience in thermal management solutions and electronic materials development and processing. Henkel is a solution provider for adhesives, sealants and functional coatings worldwide. Enkel materials are driving value for the power industrial automation market through high-performance formulas that secure steadily operation with effective thermal management, reliable electrical function, long-term sustainability. Power electronics can be found in everything from electric vehicles and industrial motors to power adapters and inverters that connect solar panels and wind turbines to the electric grid. Power conversion equipments use power semiconductors to change and control the flow of electrical energy. Generally, power conversion converts power from one form to another. Most renewable applications use at least one form of power conversion, such as a DCSC inverter. At the heart of any power conversion scheme are fast-switching power semiconductor devices to enable the conversion in the most efficient way. As the number of connected devices increases every day, more efficient power conversion can in part reduce the overall financial cost of powering these many billion devices. It's important to improve overall efficiency to reduce environmental cost. It's essential to limit the losses, which in turn limit the efficiency of the system, often resulting in strong heat dissipation. Thermal management enables all the technological solutions related to the generation, control and dissipation of heat generated in electronic devices and circuits. For example, in the automotive sector, with extreme temperatures and alternates of hot and cold conditions, this aspect is of primary importance in order to guarantee a high level of reliability and safety. Also, with the advent of electric vehicles and energy storage used for several applications. But Justin is here with us, let me introduce him and then we can go ahead with the topics. Hi Justin, nice to meet you and uh, welcome to this uh, podcast. Thanks a lot for being here. Thanks for the opportunity to have you in this new episode. The topic of uh, today that I would like to discuss with you is power conversion and uh, its thermal management. But uh, uh, before going uh, into details, I would like to ask you if you can introduce yourself and uh, your company, of course. Hello, Maurizio. As you say, I'm Justin Colby. I'm the director of market strategy for power conversion and industrial automation here at Henkel. 
Uh, thank you for inviting me to speak with you today. Uh, to me, this is a great opportunity to discuss some of the trends in power conversion and really show some of the topics that we think about at Hancoe as we develop new materials uh, to, to, to really help this, this market move forward. Okay, so uh, let's start. Mm, the need to uh, conserve natural resources, reduce emissions, and raise energy efficiency have become a primary theme, a primary uh, topic, primary concern. And uh, uh, power conversion, as you know, enables uh, specialized uh, sectors such as uh, energy uh, industry and all uh, related, related services such as uh, control technologies. Uh, so, what are the challenges for, of power conversion today? Uh, what does the world want now from the power point of view? And what is the most critical market that we can put in evidence? Uh, I know that uh, uh, high power semiconductors uh, are the main components that we can use for controlling renewable energy uh, sources such as uh, wind turbines and photovoltaic cells. And uh, the most efficient semiconductors make uh, an uh, essential contribution to the reduction of uh, CO2, of carbon dioxide emissions. What do you think? Yeah, you know, clearly I agree. I mean, power conversion really is a, a specialty function that serves across a number of key markets and, and really contributes directly to the sustainability of those markets. So we see, you know, everything from medical to to uh, energy generation, alternative energy fields, to to general industry, um, really to, to automotive, really across all these markets, power conversion is key. Um, because there's a number of, of, of key markets serve, there's really a number of specific challenges, but, but I feel like they can really be distilled into a few key trends. Now, mm -hmm. The big ones are, are, as you mentioned, clearly higher efficiency. Um, in, in this market, reliability, higher reliability is, is a big piece of it. Um, we also see increased functionality. So you know, the, the power conversion piece has to be able to do more. And then finally, sustainability. You know, I, Every, everyone is, is working towards a greener footprint, the ability to do more with less. And, and so all these things really drive what's happening in power conversion. And, and the key is really doing all this with a minimum impact on the total cost of ownership for the solution for the end customer, right? So, you know, the yep. customer's expectations are going up in all these areas, but, but in, in the end, unless you're buying maybe an iPhone, <laughs> the total cost cannot continue to go up at the same rate. Yeah. Um, so, so going forward, you know, increasing power density is a natural yes. output of these trends, um, really. So, you know, out, outside of displays, I, I can't think of anyone who wants to have their electronics bigger. Similarly, in a data center or an industry, the, the, the cost of the footprint of manufacturing, the cost of the footprint of the data center is, is high. So they don't want to spend a lot of that, that, um, that capital on, on power conversion. So when you think about all these different aspects that must be addressed, you know, mm -hmm. power conversion is really a constrained optimization. So people are looking for an ideal solution for their specific application. Um, and, and that's really, you know, the challenge that our, our customers face. Um, you know, if we think about efficiency, clearly mm -hmm. we see as world population increases, uh, the demand for work done by electric power is increasing accordingly, right? Um, 
So we can accommodate this demand a couple of ways. One is to increase the number of, of generation plants, either power plants, um, alternative energy plants, uh, you know, uh, nuclear energy, all, all these different ways we can increase the output. Um, but, but another key way I think that, that um, is probably more important for the world going forward is increasing the efficiency of the devices using power and power conversion, right? And then making sure that the way that we distribute and transmit power uh, to the end consumer is done in the most efficient way possible. And, and so this is really where power conversion becomes the most important and increases in efficiency here can have the same effect as building new power plants at a much lower environmental cost. Um, yep. so, so, so that for me is one of the keys. Um, so, you know, again, so, so a big piece of that is corporate citizenship. Um, and, and um, you know, many large companies see this mm-hmm. as, a, as a key initiative and are, and are working in this direction. Um, you know, another thing that we see is an increased focus on operational expenses and, co- and total cost of ownership instead of initial capital costs. So, you know, obviously that's a way where um, that, that, you know, multi-year payback of a more efficient operation can take place. And then finally, you know, th- there's an increased focus from government legislation. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously... There's a lot of, of, of um, subsidies and other ways that, that governments are pushing towards more efficient power conversion, more efficient operation. Um, yep. some, some examples here are motors with increased efficiency, um, you know, moving from IE2 to IE3 uh, type motors. Um, you know, certainly we see adding drives, which can increase the system efficiency. Um, you know, just a, a fun fact, right? Industrial, dri- industrial motors can take up you know, 35 to 40 percent of the world's electricity consumption. So that's an easy place for for efficiency gains. Um, you know, power conversion okay. in data centers, which which okay. can also you know account for maybe one to two percent of the global electricity demands. Um, but but data centers are an interesting case study, right? So um, you know, the amount of electricity that data centers use today is about the same as it was a decade ago in, in 2011. Um, despite you know a six times uh, increase in the number of computers, a ten times increase in global IP traffic, and a twenty-five times increase in data center storage capacity, um, so I mean to me this ability to hold consumption stable is, is due to these increased efficiencies, due to the work that, that you know our customers are doing um, to to make more efficient solutions, to have better cooling, um, and, and on the other side obviously software improvements to help to help use, um, use that power more efficiently. But, you know, again, these growth trends are going to continue. Um, and, and so improved efficiency must be part of that, that solution. Um, okay. Okay, good. So uh, just uh, uh, to continue, so the development in this case of uh, new uh, sources of clean energy. So, I mean, uh, renewable energy uh, is uh, vital for a sustainable society. Uh, we, we would like to support, in order to support the renewable energy economy, energy storage allows uh, energy, of course, to be captured and used at the later stage in other uh, application and uh, is uh, uh, a key, in fact, a key to uh, ensuring uh, a carbon neutral ecosystem. Many uh, factories, many companies are supporting uh, the the market uh, battery-based UPS uh, and interruptible power supplies for several 
mission uh, critical uh, application as in data center, as you mentioned. Uh, so what are the challenges of UPS? But in terms of battery, um, what do you, can you say about the problems of chemistry? Yep. So, uh, yeah, uninterruptible power supplies and energy storage systems um, are, are a key market in our growing market that we see. Um, and, and we see it becoming more critical as globally we look towards uh, improving the robustness of energy grids and overall making energy delivery and use more efficient. So, you know, things like microgrids or distributed energy sourcing um, in conjunction with energy storage systems um, can help, you know, obviously improve that robustness, but also help do some load balancing um, so that, you know, during non-peak area, uh, non-peak times of, of, of um, energy consumption, um, you know, we can create energy and store it for those peak times um, and help kind of overall load balance the grid. Um, this is especially helpful in the realization of alternative mm -hmm. energy, um, such as solar and wind, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's one key area. One of the big challenges, obviously, of this is these installations are usually in remote areas, right, where mm -hmm. maintenance and repair is difficult and expensive. Um, for this reason, the systems must be very reliable in, in relatively harsh environments. So, um, you know, they, they can't shut down. They're expected to run... Um, you know, continuously, and, and, you know, when they go down, it becomes a major hardship for people. Um, the other piece of this is these things are in service, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, um, you know, for that reason, the efficiency becomes very, very important. That's one of the reasons why we see this market as one of the initial adopters of wideband gap semiconductors. Um, you know, wideband gap is, is, you know, currently between two and five times the cost yep. of silicon and initial package cost. Um, but in something that, that runs constantly, you can get a relatively quick, you know, one to two year payback on these things um, by, by implement, by, by the efficiency gains um, provided with, with wideband gap. So that's obviously a big, a big advantage and trend mm -hmm. we see in this area. Um, you know, another thing that we see in UPS and, and energy storage system is that the input power is variable. Um, so, you know, the UPS has to be able to react to changes in power and power quality quickly. Um, so, you know, people are looking at, at more modular solutions for that. Um, certainly more, more power factor correction. Um, and then because, again, the reliability is such a key piece, you know, I, I mentioned modularity, but redundancies in the systems, right? So that if one mm -hmm. piece or one module of the UPS goes down, um, the switching and control from that module can be managed by other, by other UPS units in the system. Um, finally, you know, UPS is, is handling more and more power, um, just like other electronics, right? I, I mentioned the, the cost of data center space um, yep. because of all the cooling um, that has to occur. And so, um, you know, smaller and lighter VPS that, that handle more power um, is, is definitely a trend that provides real value uh, to, to, to big data center customers um, so that that space can be saved and dedicated to core processes. Yeah. Um, finally, you mentioned a little bit about the, uh, the chemistry um, mm -hmm. of batteries and how those can be sustainable, right? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, we're not, Hinkle itself is not um, really making materials for the batteries themselves. But what we are trying to do is, is 
make materials that help those batteries last longer, right? Through, through deep cycle and fast charging. Um, we, want, we want that to have a minimum negative impact on the lifetime of the batteries so that that carbon footprint, that negative piece of making the battery can be amortized over a longer period of time. So the higher reliability that we can help those batteries achieve, um, the, the smaller the, the environmental cost it is to make those batteries on a per energy output um, mm-hmm. um, basis. So, so that's really the way that we, we try to uh, um, attack that piece of the problem. That's interesting. So in the world of power electronics, of course, conversion efficiency has always been a critical topic for discussion and is, I guess, one of the main parameters that we can find on any data sheet. Based on that, power factor correction or PFC is an important element to to achieve new goals from the efficiency point of view. Tell me what what do you think, if you agree, and why is a PFC of such uh, importance uh, to, to efficiency? Yep. So, yeah, as you say, power factor correction is, is critical to meet next generation efficiency targets, especially as the power levels continue to increase. And, uh, you know, the application targets are, are for more variable or even universal type inputs. Um, so, you know, in the big picture, efficiency is from generation to consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we consume with poor power factor, um, it places excess stress and load on the grid. Um, and, you know, so the increased current requirement, that, that, that apparent power um, can, can, um, that, that's required can result in significant resistive losses overall. Also, then the grid has to be sized for the apparent power drawn instead of the real power. And we know, you know, in, from many cases, when electronics are sized inappropriately, they run inefficiently, right? If you want your motor to run as efficient as possible, you have to size it appropriate, appropriately for the load it's going to see. Um, so one clear way that power factor correction helps is by reducing that load on the grid and any harmonics in the system that can also damage equipment. Um, but it also has several other benefits as well, right? Um, you know, it's not only good practice, um, it's, it's legislated <laughs> so that, yeah. um, you know, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. um, because again, this is not just, not just one plant that sees that, but, but often, you know, our entire society that sees the advantages of high power factor correction or high power factors. Um, you know, overall, what we see is that power fa- factor correction um, stage um, can be extremely efficient. You know, it's with appropriate control architecture and built in a way to maximize efficiency. Um, you know, power factors of over 0.95 are easily um, achievable. And efficiencies also that are, you know, in the high 90s are also achievable for that power factor stage. Um, and, and, you know, a, a, as we increase the power factor, then the other pieces of a power support, you know, things like an ACDC power supply or an inverter uh, also mm-hmm. run more efficiently. Um, so, so that's key and it, um, yeah, good. Interesting. Um, So just, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, just, uh, to move this uh, uh, concept of efficiency in the electric mob- uh, mobility. So we know that semiconductors play an important role in electric mobility in terms of efficiency. 
uh, of course, uh, we can think about uh, electric vehicles, but not only. In this way, the, uh, the inverter, the traction inverter converts, uh, as you know, energy from the vehicle's battery to drive uh, the motors in the, in the drive drain system itself. So uh, I would like to know the challenges for this uh, component, just to think for the future about uh, electric uh, vehicles and uh, the challenges. What are the challenges to, to have to guarantee high efficiency? Yeah. So e-mobility is just is really a great market with fantastic growth potential. You know, even even with the struggles that the automotive company, uh, sorry, the automotive industry is having right now, mm -hmm. um, you know, electric vehicles are still really a growth area, right? So that's fantastic. Um, so it's really transformational, I think. Um, and, and because of that, it's full of all kinds of new problems and challenges. Um, but at the same time, to me, it seems like it's also lowering the barrier to entry for new automotive companies. I mean, there's been more new automotive companies in the last, you know, five or seven years than there were in the previous, you know, 10 to 20 or, or even longer. Um, so that, that's that's also a very interesting point. Um, but really, Hinkle... At Henkel, we have an automotive group that's laser focused on this on this area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you mentioned the inverters and some of the interesting work that's going on there, um, but really, it's not just the inverter. So, one of the really big trends that we see is integrating all of the electronics um, into the into the inverter system. So, we see, you know, four in one, three in one type of inverter or onboard charger systems where the inverter, the onboard charger, uh, the DC, you know, the initial DC DC converter. Um, and the battery management system are all kind of part of the same um, electronic assembly. So that's a, that's a big trend that we see, um, and, and that's a way to, to reduce both size and weight, which is you know key for, for things like range anxiety in electric vehicles. Um, another big challenge in e-mobility is the, these are very high power density applications. So um, you know a lot of a lot of battery packs are 400 volts and above, um, with spike voltages that can easily be two times that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, things like, um, you know, the use of wideband gap semiconductors, the, the cooling systems involved in, in uh, handling all that power, those are all critical pieces, um, you know, and, you know, it's not particularly high voltage for the bus system, right? I mean, one of the things that they're going to is a 48-volt bus, which is as high as they can make it, and so I'll have it be intrinsically safe. But that's still, you know, significant amount of current that's being carried throughout the system. So, um, you know, there are there are resistive losses there that need to be need to be addressed. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we think about the powertrain and automobile. Another key is the, the battery <laughs> system itself, right? Where the, the battery yep. temperature is critical for liability and safety. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's similar to a UPS or an energy storage system. But but at the same time, the big difference is that, you know, automotive battery, they really want to charge it and discharge it at a very high rate. Um, you know, in a backup battery system, it can trickle charge. There's a lot of ways that, that that can be done. But in a in an automotive battery, the, customer, the consumer wants to go and charge that thing in, in 20 minutes or in five minutes if they can. Um, that's very hard on the battery. And so, you know, cooling or temperature control of, of those charge, um, those charging operations are, are uh, also, you know, a critical challenge that people are working on. Um, you know, with either um, liquid cooling systems integrated into the charger or using the car's cooling system um, when it's not running but charging, you know, in order to, to uh, help mitigate any damage on the battery. Um, finally, 
you know, there's, there's obviously curb weight, right? Range anxiety is still a real thing in, in e-mobility. Um, so, you know, obviously things like increasing DC bus voltage, um, you know, all, anything that you can do to use lower specific gravity um, mm-hmm. materials is, is, is big um, and, and increase efficiencies. Um, you know, that's really what it's about as far as increasing that, that range and making sure that, um, that uh, adoption of electric vehicles can continue at the rate that it's been at. Um, and then, you know, obviously the big part that, that we're interested in in the industrial space is that, mm-hmm. that uh, EV charging infrastructure. So, um, you know, a lot of the same issues where we have very high voltages, uh, high power electronics, you know, people using um, um, uh, wide band gap semiconductors to handle that. And then, you know, how, how do you do that in a safe way? Because again, if we're talking about very high voltages, making those connections so that no one can, you know, be, be involved in a catastrophic, catastrophic event is, is critical. So when we uh, talk about uh, power management, of course, uh, we uh, we need uh, to to speak about thermal management. So the meaning of thermal management of high power discrete uh, devices is because all electronic devices and circuits uh, generate uh, heat, excess heat, and uh, thereby requiring thermal management uh, techniques to uh, to improve. Uh, reliability and uh, to and to prevent uh, premature failures that is important for any electronic systems uh, uh, in power supplies uh, power supplies but also uh, for example in the wireless charging so this element is uh, is important also because uh, uh, considering uh, the packaging even smaller because we want uh, smaller devices just to think about wearable devices of course in this way wideband gap semiconductors uh, it's important hel- uh, element can help us to design better uh, can you tell me uh, in terms of thermal management what are your considerations the challenges uh, also uh, consider that uh, the new power conversion requires even smaller packaging Yeah, thank you. So, you know, for me, thermal management plays a critical role across the electronics landscape, right? Um, So it really is a multifactorial problem for teams designing power electronics because it impacts everything from form form factor to efficiency, you know, reliability to cost. It it really, you know, is a big piece of the overall uh, puzzle of of these systems. And and, Mm -hmm. the further that, that our designers can push that piece of it, to the front end of the design, I think the better, you know, the more success they can have um, in, in really optimizing the system. Um, you know, the thermal problem has always been a, a one of power density. So um, as you want to do more computation, more communication in, in the same or smaller amount of space, uh, thermal management becomes, becomes critical. Um, you know, obviously with wide bag gap semiconductors, um, the, the, the damaging effects of heat on the semiconductor junction go way down. But, you know, what, one of the things that we're seeing is that the rest of the packaging technology hasn't kept up with the, with the semiconductor junction, right? So, um, you know, thermal management of, of, the, of the discrete components of the components using wide bagot semiconductors is still very important. Um, but the, the failure mode has shifted from the, you know, from the junction to uh, the interconnects and the potting and, and all those things that go into it or, or mold compounds that go into the, the, the components. Um, you know, 
One of the key mm-hmm. things that we see with wideband gap semiconductors is obviously much higher power um, and much smaller devices. So, you know, where we get maybe a few percent um, of efficiency gain using the, the wideband gap semiconductor, that that's offset from a thermal standpoint by reducing the footprint of that um, that that power uh, utilizes by a factor mm-hmm. of maybe four. Um, so again, you know, maybe what we see in, in these types of applications is, is um, higher value thermal interface materials. So maybe moving from you know two and three watt per meter kelvin up to six or eight watt per meter kelvin, um, but but smaller amounts of those materials that are being used. Um, another, another continuing trend that we see is you know people are moving from non-isolated two-hole components um, to more isolated surface mount components, where the heat spreader is not part of the electrical path. Um, so in that area, you know, you can get very high power densities. Uh, in many cases, you can take heat out of both the top and the bottom of the electric, uh, you know, the service mount device. Um, and, and in that way, you can also get very high power densities. Um, and, and so from that reason, we see a big, a big, you know, potential growth from, um, you know, solid insulation systems that are part of the thermal solution to, uh, liquid thermal interface materials. Um, so, you know, another key trend that we see, um, you know, I think if we mm-hmm. talk about some of the overall, uh, advantages, um, of thermal interface materials, it, it's, you know, to, 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 to give the most value to our customers, we don't want to be just a thermal solution provider. So it, it's important that the thermals are just part of what these materials do. In many cases, you know, it's easy to make a, a you know, an eight watt per meter K material, but in order to make it so that it processes very easily, has a long shelf life, you know, has a low total cost of ownership um, um, impact on our customers, uh, you know, that becomes much more difficult and something that we really focus on. Another piece of it is we, we want to have multiple access to value. So, you know, in some cases, in many cases, we want the thermal interface material to do something else, maybe maybe being adhesive so that, you know, screws and clips in the, in, in the electronic assembly can be um, either reduced or removed. Um, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe EMI shielding or other other um, access of value that can be given along with the thermal interface material that, that um, you know, again, really help our designers be successful in, in meeting their the challenges of, of um, you know, the next decade. Thank you so much, Justin. Thanks uh, for having you in this uh, podcast. Thanks for your time. Very good. Thank you, Mauricio. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks again, Justin. Thanks to Hankel. Power conversion really is a special function that serves across a number of key markets, as Justin told us. The data centers are an interesting case study. The amount of electricity the data centers use today is about the same as it was a decade ago in 2011. Power factor correction stage can be extremely efficient with appropriate control architecture and built in a way to maximize efficiency. A good PFC is a key sourcing requirement as consumers and companies become more aware of operating costs and effect of waste energy on the environment. Electric vehicles are still really a growth area with a big topic about high power density that involve thermal management systems. If you want to do more computation, more communication and smaller amount of space as Justin told us, thermal management becomes critical. 
uh, obviously, with the wideband gap semiconductors, the damaging effects of heat on the semiconductor junction go way down. But one of the things that we are seeing, as Justin told us, is that the rest of the packaging technology hasn't kept up with the semiconductor junction. Another continuing trend that is people moving from non-isolated to whole components to more isolated surface mount components, where the heat spreader is not part of the electrical path. Thank you everyone, see you next episode, stay tuned.